Greetings in the name of the Triune God. Welcome to the Rural Midwestern Pastor Podcast. My name is David Johnson, and I am blessed to pastor the rural congregation known as Samanach Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us as we explore together how the scriptures declare the good news that God's kingdom has come to us in Jesus. If you'd like more information on our rural congregation, please visit samanachbaptistchurch.org. That's S-O-M-O-N-A-U-K, baptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening. May grace, peace, and everything good be yours in King Jesus. Good morning. Thank you for joining me for the SBC Daily Word for Thursday, April 22nd. Uh, again, we're walking slowly through 2 Peter chapter 2 as Peter begins in a very hyperbolic, exaggerated, stereotypical fashion describing these false teachers. And there's some urgency that we're going to see in Peter here. And I think the reason for that urgency is because he realizes he is going to die soon. And he wants to leave this strong warning for his beloved community that they need to take seriously the threat of these false teachers. So again, as we've discussed, there's a couple of different occasions that lead to Peter writing 2 Peter. One, as I've already mentioned, he believes that he is going to, from a revelation from the Lord, to die very soon. Secondly, these false teachers have wormed their way into his community, and they are denying the promised second coming of Jesus. And then that relates to, if Jesus isn't coming back, holiness doesn't really matter. These false teachers are deceiving God's people to say, what they do, their behavior is not significant at all. So let me read uh, verses 12 to 16 and then make some observations and some applications. So I'm in 2 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 12. These people, however, that introduction to this list is a very important phrase to help us understand rhetorically what Peter is after. We're going to describe this in a little bit more detail in a few moments, but if you remember back from chapter 1 in verses 5 to 7, there is this description of the virtues that those who've been adopted by God need to be pursuing. And then, perhaps to help us understand what those virtues really mean, Peter is going to explain the opposite of those virtues. You're perhaps familiar with the idea of the seven deadly sins. There is also within the teaching of the church virtues that correspond to those vices. So this is what Peter is doing. He's not going to describe these false teachers in such this exaggerated way to create in us despisement of those false teachers. He's going to refer to them at the end of the chapter as dogs and pigs. That's something we need to kind of understand the nuance and understand a little bit more about what's going on because if you look at just history, 
oftentimes groups of people have been isolated for acts of violence. Usually genocide is somehow connected to this narrative that reduces the value of um, that person's humanity. That is nothing near what Peter is after here. In fact, as we talked about last week or yesterday, Peter wants his readers to understand that only God can sort these things out. So it would be taking this passage out of context as if we imagine Peter is somehow um, encouraging within us this, even though these false teachers um, are destructive and we need to be warned about them, um, he would never want us to engage in in depriving them of their humanity. I remember one of the last concerts Rich Mullins gave, he said to his crowd in only a way that Rich Mullins can, how what he was saying was probably going to go against a lot of the well-known preachers within the evangelical world. And then Rich Mullins said this, those preachers with whom I disagree, they're not bad, they're just wrong. In kind of a similar way, Peter is going to describe how wrong they are, but he wants us to pray for them. He wants us to not despise them, but understand a little bit more about the virtues we have been graced with by helping us understand the vices that we need to avoid. So let's just read verses 12 to 16 of 2 Peter chapter 2. These people, however, are like irrational animals, mere creatures of instinct, born to be caught and killed. So, so the, the metaphor here is that these are like animals, these are like sacrificial animals, that ultimately their purpose, their end, the reason for which they were created is so that they could be a part of some religious sacrifice, okay? Um, human sacrifice was something that was a part of kind of the Roman, Greco-Roman religious experience. This is now through these false teachers being uh, possibly brought in. Notice then uh, second half of verse 12, they slander what they do not understand. This is a good description of everything we see on social media these days. We take a very, very complicated, nuanced issue, and we just slander it without even taking the time to understand it. That's something that perhaps we need to consider about our own approach to our social media habits. And when those creatures are destroyed, they also will be destroyed. Verse 13, Suffering the penalty for doing wrong, they count it a pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blem blemishes. Later on, Peter's going to call us to be spotless and blameless. Again, his description of these false teachers in this way serves a purpose for helping us understand the virtues we, by grace, are supposed to pursue. Um, they count it a pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their dissipation. While they feast with you, they have their eyes full of adultery 
insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. They have left the straight road and have gone astray, following the road of Balaam, son of Bosar, who loved the wages of doing wrong, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. So again, these are unlike the virtues of uh, verses one, or chapter one, verses five to seven. They are wild beasts. They have appetites that are never satisfied. They are ungodly. They blaspheme things they are ignorant of. They have hearts that are trained in greed. It's almost like Peter is imagining this, um, our commercial environment, our advertising, to where they train our hearts to want things that we don't need. Now, again, it's helpful to contrast what's described here in verses 12 to 16 with what was described about us in chapter 1. In chapter 1, verse 5, we are called co-partakers of the godly nature. Here in verse 12, these false teachers are described as irrational beasts. In verse 5, we are called faithful. In verse 12, they are called blasphemous. In verse 5, we are called to virtue. In verse 12, they are characterized by corruption. Verse 5 of chapter 1, we have been given this knowledge of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In verse 12, they are called ignorant. The word knowledge is gnosis. The word ignorant is agnosis. Okay. Uh, verse 6 of chapter 1, self-control we are supposed to pursue. Verse 13, these false teachers have unbridled sensuality. Verse 6 of chapter 1, we are called to endurance and long-suffering. Verse 14, we have hearts trained in greed. So endurance there and long-suffering in chapter 1, if it's contrasted with hearts that are trained in greed, what endurance looks like is contentment. It's, not per, it's being willing to suffer doing without. Godliness, verses 7 and 8 of chapter 1. Unrighteousness is described in verses 13 and 15 of chapter 2. And then in chapter 2, verse 10, they are described as selfish and self-indulgent. Self the opposite of that in our list of chapter 1, verse 7, is sibling kindness. So, again, to understand what's going on here, we need to understand how Peter is describing a vice list that is true of these false teachers, and it's contrasted with the virtues that we are called to pursue. So what are some takeaways that we can grasp from um, this pretty negative, almost violent kind of list? First, pursuing virtue is for our good. If again you read chapter 2, verses 12 to 16, it is characterized by these warnings that these things these false teachers pursue are leading them to destruction. So in some sense, there's a warning that says, move away from these vices and then move toward the virtues 
that are described in chapter one. Beloved, if you drive around Rocky Mountain National Park and you get up above the tree line, there's these guardrails. Why are those guardrails there? Because they want to keep us safe. When we have cleaners under our kitchen uh, sink, there's often warnings there about how this chemical, if ingested, is poisonous. Why are the guardrails there? Why are the warnings there? Because there are people, there are laws that are there to protect us and they are for our good. Beloved, these warnings that are often very, very strong in God's word are there because the God who inspires these writings wants us to take them seriously. He doesn't desire our destruction, but he knows that these vices will lead to our destruction. So here's what that means. Pursuing virtue, self-control, sibling kindness, the knowledge of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Pursuing these things is for our good. Secondly, what we really believe is revealed by our behavior. One of the things that's really striking to me about all that Peter has to say about these false teachers is he spends very little time actually addressing the, their teachings. He doesn't just give you bullet points of here's why what they teach is wrong. No, for Peter, the fact that they are false teachers is revealed by their behavior. So the principle that we can draw from that is what we really believe is revealed by how we behave. Psalm 14 describes this in much the same way. Psalm 14 is the psalm about atheism. Atheism. Notice how the psalmist describes atheism. Fools say in their hearts, there is no God. And then he's going to describe the fools. So notice the psalmist, much like Peter, isn't going to respond to atheism by giving them rational arguments for why you should believe God exists. No, they are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on humankind to see if there are any who are wise, who seek after God. They have all gone astray. They are all alike perverse. There is no one who does good. No, not one. Have they no knowledge? All the evildoers who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord. There they shall be in great terror, for God is with the company of the righteous. You would confound the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that deliverance for Israel would come from Zion when the Lord restores the fortunes of his people. Jacob will rejoice. Israel will be glad. So, beloved, there are people who could say, I'm theistic. I believe in God. 
God would say, well, let me watch your life to see if what you really believe is revealed by your behavior. Beloved, what the psalmist knows in Psalm 14, what Peter knows in 2 Peter 2, is that what we really believe is revealed by our behavior. And that behavior described as virtues in 1 Peter 1, 5 to 7, is this idea that, that if we pursue these virtues, there will be the pleasure that comes from being joined to God, experiencing more of God, participating more fully in the divine life, as Peter describes in 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. Within this frame of thinking, C.S. Lewis famously says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't not imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Beloved, as those graciously designed to participate in God's life, may you for the sake of that promised pleasure pursue virtue and flee vice. May grace and peace and everything good be yours. Thank you for joining me.